Welcome back. Winnell Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. Final hour of the show. I want to appreciate everybody for tapping in with me. Here with you until 9 o'clock. Switch gears a little bit here in the 8 o'clock hour, and we'll switch things over to the National Football League. And no better man to talk NFL with than Doug Farrar. He is writes for the USA Today's Touchdown Wire, and I appreciate him joining me on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books, download the BetQL app today. Dougie Fresh, my man, what's going on? What else is going, man? It's going well. It's going well. Obviously, it's been a crazy offseason in the National Football League, but the biggest thing that I've noticed so far is the explosion in the wide receiver market. Speak a little bit as to why you think it's happening, and then we'll we'll, we'll we'll switch it over to the commanders here. Do you see the Washington commanders coming to terms with Terry McLaurin on a deal before training camp? Uh, well, it would be smart if they did. Definitely. Um, <laughs> putting the Washington commanders and smart together in the same sentence hasn't Dangerous. really worked out too well over the last <laughs> few months, so... Yeah, I don't know. As far as the explode, yeah. Um, as far as the explosion in the receiver market, a couple of things. I mean, the the TV deals and the streaming deals are coming in. The gambling deals are coming in. The cap is going to explode the next few years. So teams are like, okay, we have we're going to have the room to get that number one guy. And what is the modern NFL about? It's not about you know this coverage or that coverage. It's really kind of about where you put your guys in space both on offense and defense, it's about creating and preventing explosive plays. If you don't have a top receiver, it becomes exponentially more difficult to do that. If you're running a bunch of 12 personnel and running the ball and, you know, throwing five right ups to your tight ends, that's not the way to do it. And I, I may be writing something on Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense. Maybe I'm <laughs> scarred by that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> If you know, let, let's take the Raiders for example. They they needed a, a they needed a field tilter. They have Darren Waller. They have Hunter Renfro. You know, and Waller's a good deep target. Renfro is that really good underneath guy, but ridiculous route runner, very professional receiver, kind of in that Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. You know, list off your better white slot receiver over the last 20 years. He's, he's that guy. Well, I mean, you can, you can compare everyone to everyone else, but if, it, if, that, if that's who he reminds you of, then, you know, you're kind of stuck there. Um, I could also say that Doug Baldwin was one of the best route runner, runners of his era, so there you go. Um, so they go out and get Devontae Adams, and they're thinking, okay, this guy can demolish your number one corner with five different routes that becomes really, really important to your offense. You know, if you have Derrick Henry, that's great. If you have a guy who can run for 2,000 yards on 400 carries, fine. But over time, the guy who's running for 2,000 yards on 400 carries, especially if most of his runs come between the tackles, we've seen what attrition does. And it's a lot easier to keep the guy healthy when he's out there just, you know, taking a bracket and blowing it to the moon as a Devontae Adams can do, as you know, the, the NFL's best receivers can do. So when you're putting together a passing game, obviously the number one thing you need is a quarterback. Number two thing you need, well, you don't need. You can win a championship without it. But it certainly makes things a lot easier and adds chapters to your playbook if you have that guy. And McLaurin is the closest thing the commanders have to 
you know, smart, yeah, as I said, uh, are the commanders smart right now? Mm, it could be said that maybe they're not always the most intelligent team in the NFL. <laughs> And Doug, that's been, just my opinion. Yeah, and Doug, it's been a crazy offseason, as we mentioned, a lot of player movement, but something that's always happened in our in our league, so much parity. In, in each division, every season, there's always a candidate in a team that goes from worst to first. Heading into 2022, who do you feel is the most likely candidate to go worst to first in the division ranking? Well, I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett will be like as a head coach, but living in Seattle, I'm pretty familiar with Russell Wilson. Um, he's going to have a better offensive line in Denver than he had in Seattle for most of his time there. Um, I don't know that he had – I mean, there isn't a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett. That's another huge – Lockett is a hugely underrated professional route-running god. Definitely. Um, you know, but he's got three and four guys who can get open. He's got Javante Williams, who he hasn't had a running back like that since Marshawn Lynch. Javante is the truth. He was my RB1 in uh, his draft class. They've got a great defense. Um, you know, they'll, they'll forward a lot of the stuff they have with Fangio. And they were 7-10. and 10. Kansas City was 12-5. and five. Is Russell Wilson worth five wins without, you know, Kansas City is an entire kill. The Raiders don't have a very good defense. The Chargers, well, I'm not too sure. I look at the Broncos as a possible. Um, outside, I mean, that that's the most likely candidate. I don't, I mean, Baltimore, maybe. They were 8-9. and nine, They were 4 in the AFC North. Their cornerback, their, their defensive backfield was just shot with injury. That usually doesn't happen two years in a row. We're kind of wondering about Lamar, like his development, the contracting and all that. But they were, you know. The, they won eight games. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl, won that division, winning 10 games. So that's another one. I, but I look at the, the Broncos because I, I'm just not sure. You lose Tyree Kill, you lose Tyron Matthew. Outside of Mahomes, those are two of your three most, what did I just say, creating and defending explosive plays. Right. Well, you lose your best offensive explosive play creator and your best explosive play defender. That's tough to overcome. So I kind of I'm looking at the Broncos, thinking, well, this is the first time you've had a good quarterback since you know Peyton Manning was relevant, and your defense is great, um, very good secondary, you know, pretty good front. I think they could, if the Chiefs have a little bit of regression, maybe the Raiders don't quite figure it out on defense. The Chargers continue to sort of hang in the middle. Maybe the Broncos could do it. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today is Doug Farrar. He writes for the USA Today's Touchdown Wire blog. And Doug will bring things back to our nation's capital. Obviously, an eventful offseason here for the Washington yeah. Commanders, <laughs> to say the least, right? Eventful. Uh, they, they sign, they're able to get Carson Wentz and, and acquire him to hopefully be the QB uh, for the future for this club. Obviously, a lot of pressure. Uh, in-house put on Ron Rivera and this staff. What is the ceiling you think for Washington heading into 2022? And do you think Ron Rivera makes it to year four? Mm, a lot of question marks there. <laughs> I was kind of, no. well, I mean, I, I, I just want to go on the field. And with Del Rio, that's hard to do right now because right. You know, every time he opens his mouth, just, you know, ugh. Yeah. It's they rough. signed... When, when they signed William Jackson in free agency, I gave that move an A+. And the then football team, 
did not play a lot of man. I think they ranked third lowest in man coverage. Shocking. And then they signed. And then signed Jackson. I'm like, well, Jackson might be the best man corner in the league, or he's, he's three. He's like the top man corner who doesn't play for the Patriots because Belichick always signs, you know, press man corners. And they didn't really play any more man. They just Del Rio's going to do what he's going to do. And you know, it, they were much better in man than they were in zone, and they played more zone anyway. So, as far as the defense goes, they were 27th in Football Outsiders opponent adjusted DVOA metrics, with a stacked roster from front to back. Yes, they know it had injuries. They also had a bunch of great players at five first-round picks on that defensive line. And, yes, again, injuries. I get it. Um, defense, I don't know. The thing with Wentz, and I think he's been in the league long enough where you kind of know what he is. He will have two games where he looks like a Hall of Famer. He will have two games where he looks like Bobby Brady. And they're in the middle. I don't think you're going – you're not – I think he kind of is what he is. He's been, you know, toward the end in Philadelphia, he was kind of defined about this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to roll yellow and whatever. Um, the thing with Frank Reich in Indianapolis, it blew apart, imploded for all kinds of reasons on the field, in the locker room, whatever. Um, you know, Taylor Heineke said we're paying him 10 times more than me, so he's going to be a starter. I'll, well, I'll tell you, and I wrote a piece about a month ago. The guy I'm really intrigued about, and outside of Malik Willis, this was my favorite quarterback in this draft class, is Sam Howell. And it's kind of a Baker Mayfield situation where you can't look at 2021, you have to go back to 2020, because he lost his two top receivers and his two top running backs uh, before the 2021 season, including uh, Diami Brown, who's now reunited with. And those guys had a great chemistry together. Uh, they turned Howell into a running back, and he ran for like over 800 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. But if you go back and look at his 2020 tape, you can see a, a developing professional quarterback that can run a three-digit Scott slash North Turner system pretty well. When I looked at the tape and I kind of poured over the advanced metrics, I thought, you know, if Wentz falls off a building like he tends to do, and Heineke is sort of Heineke, you know, and they're losing down the stretch. Maybe they throw Sam Howell in their late in the season and he turns into the guy. It wouldn't surprise – I'm not saying this is my prediction it's going to happen. Spicy. I'm going to say if, if, the, if the commanders do not have a good season, if they're, you know, if they're looking up at 500 halfway through or, a third of the, or two-thirds of the way through, Maybe Sam Howell becomes the future. Whether that saves Rivera or not, I have no idea. Because then I have to get in Daniel Snyder's head, and that's a place I'd just rather not be. Wow, I don't even think he wants to be there. So you're saying there's no. a chance, though, on slinging Sammy Howell. I, I really like him. I really, and, you know, the, again, the 21, 2021 season, oh, he lost his starting center to injury, too. So his top two running backs, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, Deami Brown, and um, I'm drawing a luck of the other guy. And then the center. So, like, his whole offense blows apart. They make him, they have him run more, and he was really good in that role. Um, he can make any throw. He doesn't a lot of variance in his performance. I mean, he will occasionally make a, you know, and he, he, he got taken in the fifth round. He's not yeah. a first, but none of the guys in this class, he could have just as easily been taken in the third. Um, most of these guys, you could flip them, if Kenny Pickett had been taken in the third round instead of 20 overall by the Steelers, I wouldn't have been that surprised. None of these guys were a Trevor Lawrence or a Andrew Luck or whatever. Right. So, 
you know, clearly not top. Just based on the just based on the tape, that's all I can look at. I can't speculate what they're going to do based on this twenty twenty tape. I think Sam Howell is a perfectly credible possibility to do some mop up and maybe start some games and, and look pretty good. Well, speculate a little more for me here, Dougie Fresh. <laughs> talking about Carson Wentz, and from just the pure numbers standpoint. And, and even watching with your eyes, Carson Wentz last year, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The 27 touchdown tosses tied for 10th most in the National Football League. The seven interceptions, the third fewest in the National Football League. Why was Jim Ursay and company so eager and hell-bent to get him out of Indianapolis? And do you really think he has a legitimate chance in Washington to right the ship? Football Outsiders has another stack called adjusted interceptions. And Wentz, it's it's like they go through and chart like okay, interceptions that were dropped, things like that. Interceptions that could have happened but didn't. Uh, Wentz was, I believe, the luckiest quarterback in the NFL last year, and the tape backs that up. Um, you know, it may have been seven that. interceptions. It may have been seven. It could have been fourteen. It could have been twenty, and that would be more consistent with his. And Mah- like Patrick Mahomes was in his first couple years. Like really, really lucky with interceptions. A lot of picks were dropped, and sometimes they're not. They don't show up in the stat sheet. Sometimes it's passes defensed or passes deflected. Um, last year, Mahomes' luck ran out. Last year, Wentz's luck was really great. That usually regresses, and when it regresses, it regresses hard. So now he's in a new offense too. He doesn't have Frank Reich, who was supposed to be his binky. Um, I, I think all you need to know is that, you know, Reich thought he could roll with Wentz like he did in Philly, and the fact that it didn't work out, and Wentz was just as happy to get rid of him and go get Matt Ryan, I mean, uh, that, that tells you a lot, because Frank Reich is a, an outstanding quarterback developer. He's a very rational, even-keel guy. The fact that they wanted to get rid of Wentz, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this in D.C., ad nauseum. So I'm not breaking any news here. Not at all. But the fact that the fact that they were so eager to just taunt him out of the building that quickly, it's a cautionary tale. And Doug, I'm I'm the biggest probably Carson Wentz supporter there is right now in our nation's capital. And as you read some of the numbers out to me, they're eye opening because just from watching on the field, there were stretches last year where he looked like the Carson Wentz of old. Yeah. It was just surprising, in my opinion, and, and I and I wanted to ask you: Was it more from up top, or was this really Frank Wright kind of succumbing to somebody who makes more money than him, as far as making the decision to move on from Wentz? Well, I think when you his mechanics have regressed. Without getting too dorky here, he we love you to get dorky, Doug. Don't don't hesitate now. I, <laughs> I love hearing about it. He does not throw from a firm base. He tends to splay his feet when he throws, especially when he throws deep. Um, his mechanics are not consistent when he's on the move, um, which is why he's not as – because you would think a guy who, with his mobility – when he came out of college, I compared him to Ben Roethlisberger. Big, mobile guy, could make you know shot play throws downfield with guys hanging all over him. So he has the athleticism. He has the mobility – He's got an arm to make any throw. The problem with Carson is he will make all the throws, including all the bad ones. Um, So his mechanics are not consistent. When your mechanics are not consistent, it brings in a variance in your throwing consistency. And 
everything I just said about explosive plays, yeah, that's great. But you still you have to hit the quick out on third and five to get to first down. You have to roll somewhat consistently at some point beyond the ability to make that, oh, my gosh, throw once a game and for the rest of the time you just kind of, we don't know what. Um, Reich is a student of the position. Now, you know, Scott Turner is a student of the position. He, you know, he's a very aware guy. He's a, a very good offensive coordinator. And I think with a guy like Wentz, he comes into your organization and coaches have that sort of I can fix it thing. And Wentz is very tantalizing when it comes to that because he does have all the tools. The problem is when a quarterback's mechanics have regressed to that point over a number of years, and they really didn't improve with a guy who developed him in Philadelphia, you kind of wonder, well, maybe he just, and this is a a thing you kind of hear, maybe he isn't going to buy into the improvement, the stuff he needs to do to improve. That's something you hear a lot, and that's a problem. Yeah. So, Doug, even if he doesn't, and, he, and we get the play that we got here in Washington from the Wentz that we saw in Indianapolis last year. How big of an improvement do you think it will be for Washington upgrading from last year's performance of Taylor Heineke to last year's performance of Carson Wentz? I mean, it really depends on which Carson Wentz shows up. And I, I think all of the Carson Wentzes are going to show up. And there will be games where he will just – torch a defense. That's great. There will also be games where he throws four interceptions and looks completely and utterly hopeless. I don't know how you train that out of him because he's, he has proven resistant to it. And again, it's not just a performance. It's go back and watch the negative plays. Go back and watch the incomplete passes. Go back and watch the interceptions that were dropped. Go and watch the opportunities he had to create those explosive plays where he got himself in trouble. You know, is he more gifted than Taylor Heineke? Obviously. Is he more gifted than Sam Howell? Sure. But your gifts only get you so far. And if you're sort of on the Jay Cutler path of, yeah, I have this amazing arm and I'm mobile and all that, but it really isn't going to work out consistently. Um, you know, the guy has all these tools. This is his third team. And people seem very eager to get rid of him for quarterbacks who do not have his gifts. Again, warning signs. So as far as wh- how much an improvement it is, I mean, I think that sometimes it'll be an improvement. I think there will also be times where fans will be begging, put Heineke in, my gosh, at least we know what we're getting. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that we that the uh, fans were clamoring for the backup quarterback here in D.C. Doug, I appreciate you dropping some knowledge on us, man. All right, thanks. Take care. That was Doug Farrar joining us on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. That's F-A-R-R-A-R. And boy, did Doug Farrar have a lot to say about the new QB1 in Washington, Carson Wentz. When we come back, I'll discuss some of Doug's comments on Carson Wentz. I'll tell you where I agree and where I disagree. Stick with me. Don't go anywhere. I'm Lanelle Willingham here with you on The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. 
Well, no, Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. About a half hour left to go in the show. It's been a good one. I want to give a thanks to Darren Haynes of WSA 9 for joining us in the first hour. Chase Hughes, Wizards insider for NBC Sports Washington, joining us. And then our man Dougie Fresh just got off the line with us from USA Today's Touchdown Wire, taking a spin around the National Football League. And Doug had some interesting comments, and I was sure to ask him uh, about Carson Wentz because, as you can tell by some of his answers about the new QB1 in Washington, Doug not as bullish on Carson Wentz as I am, and he was able to throw out some very interesting nuggets. And shout-out to the to the folks over at Football Outsiders. They just have a laundry list of information and metrics to help you you know, further evaluate some of your favorite players in the league. But I wanted to hit on the question I asked Doug on the way out. And it was as simple as this. If Washington gets the Carson Wentz from Indianapolis a season ago, how much of an upgrade would that be from the quarterback play Washington got from Taylor Heineke this past season? And I'll be honest with you, before listening to Doug, you couldn't tell me anything bad about Carson Wentz. I'll be completely honest with you. I have been the leader of the Wentz Wolfpack. I finally found it, and that's what, that's what we're calling it, the Wentz Wolfpack. And I still am the leader, right hand in the air. If you, you can't see me in the studio, but I got my damn fist up in the air as I am going to be the leader of the Wentz Wolfpack uh, heading into 2022. And despite some of the things Doug is Doug said, when you watch it on film, he didn't really, one thing I wanted Doug to hit on a little bit that he didn't was just the physical tools and the physical difference at the quarterback position between Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke and some of the differences we can expect to see this upcoming season, it's already been raved about in, in uh, OTAs and, and minicamp. Just how aggressive Carson Wentz has been trying to push the football down the field. It's going to be a stark difference uh, from what we saw out of Taylor Heineke a season ago. And I'm talking to our producer, Denton Day, in the studio, and I said, Denton, what's your take on Carson Wentz? And obviously, Denton, like Doug Farrar, not extremely high on him. I'd say it's I'm reasonably optimistic. I think we're in a better Perfect way to put it, a better position than we were last year because I trust Carson Wentz. Well, to anything, anything's going to be better than Taylor Heineke. I don't know about anything, but there most things, most be, things. most things, because there is that element of gamer that Taylor Heineke has that I don't know if every quarterback in the NFL like if you a good if, point if you uh, syringed and took that gamer out of Taylor Heineke and then injected it into Carson Wentz. Oh, my God. He's a top 10, top 5 quarterback, but he doesn't have that. So that's that worries me a little bit. Yeah, and, obvious, and for obvious reasons, that, that has to concern some people. But one thing I think we can never accuse Carson Wentz of is not going out there and giving it his all. This, this is a young man who has battled and played through injury, all the above. I mean, look. What happened in Indianapolis a season ago was, in my opinion, like nothing we'll ever see ever again, maybe, you know, in the National Football League. How rare is it that you see a team so hard-pressed to move on from a guy who gave you 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions a season ago? 
So as we continue throughout this offseason, and I'm on here with you, I'll continue to have more expert analysis on here to talk about Carson Wentz and what people think uh, he could do here in the Burgundy and Gold. And look, like I said, leader of the Wentz Wolf Pack. I'm expecting big things out of Carson Wentz uh, in this Washington Commanders offense heading into 2022. I'm also expecting some big things out of another team in the division heading into 2022. Steamy takes only on the other side of this break. And I'll pose the question out there to the listeners. Tap in with me on the MGM National Harbor Listener Line, 1-800-636-1067. Which NFL team has the best chance in 22 to go from worst to first? Stick with me. I'll give you my answer on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Lonel Willingham. You're listening to The Fan. Welcome back. Lanell Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. Two final segments left to go in the show. And we're going to get to hit a staple of mine here on Overtime tonight. Steamy Takes Only. You can get at me on Twitter with the hashtag Steamy Takes Only. If you're feeling too lazy to type all that out, the hashtag STO will suffice as well, it's Steamy Takes Only here on 106.7 The Fan. And the question for you guys out there tonight to chew on is, which NFL team has the best chance in 2022 to go from worst to first in their division? Now, we asked Doug Farrar that, and he said the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, Trying to do some big things in Colorado this year for the Broncos and return that glorious franchise, you know, back to repeating some of that history that they've got there in Denver, becoming and continuing to be one of the premier franchises in the National Football League. But I got a spicier answer than that. It is the hashtag steamy takes only. And as I was preparing for the show today, thinking about who I was going to go with for my best candidate to go from worst to first in 2022, we had some really, really, really good options. As Doug mentioned, the Denver Broncos. Obviously, a hot answer out there uh, for a candidate to go worst to first. Could have went with the team. Another team Doug mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens, 8-9 and nine a season ago, finished at the bottom of the AFC North. And as Doug mentioned, they just were obliterated uh, by the injury bug a season ago, specifically in the secondary and in their running back room. And then Lamar Jackson ends up missing the final few weeks of the season as well. But they weren't too far off from making the playoffs uh, last year in Baltimore, but they just so happened to finish last uh, in that AFC North. So that wasn't spicy enough for me. I then looked over at the AFC South. Second straight year that rookie, that uh, quarterback Trevor Lawrence will be having to pick up a new system in the National Football League. Doug Peterson, after taking a year away from football, coming back to coach once more. And he'll be doing so 
in Jacksonville with the Jaguars, and they've got a litany of weapons for Trevor Lawrence. And they've built a good football team around him. So that wasn't spicy enough for me either. So I decided I'd mix it up a little bit here tonight, and I took my steamy take only to the NFC East. I think the New York football giants have a legitimate case to go from worst to first in the NFC East, and here's why. This will now be the third straight season that Daniel Jones is having to learn a new offense. And I think this time around, this time around it might be different for him because he's he's having a guy come in that has a proven track record of working with good quarterbacks. This isn't Pat Shermer coming here to try to fix Daniel Jones. This isn't this isn't Ben McAdoo. This isn't Jason Garrett. This is this is a guy that did it with one of the rawest prospects we've ever seen come out. Talking about Brian Dable and what he was able to do in Buffalo with a guy like Josh Allen. And from a physical profile, I think there aren't too many differences between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. Hear me out. Obviously, Josh Allen has made great strides. <laughs> has made great strides since entering the National Football League. And Josh deserves a lot of credit, but Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey, they deserve some credit too. And I'll always say this when it comes to young quarterbacks. A lot of the time, it isn't about how good the young quarterback is. It's about the situation that they're drafted into. And in this case for Daniel Jones, he's inheriting a situation where he's got a new head coach who is coming off of one of the biggest QB success stories we've seen. When's the last time we've seen a guy come from a school like Wyoming and come and rip apart the National Football League the way Josh Allen did last year? And the thing that I loved about Josh Allen's progression and his maturation process is we saw him show gradual growth and improvement each year. Now, the Maras have already come out and said this year that Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback. Now, I didn't choose the Giants to go from worst to first because of Daniel Jones. No, I'm not that stupid. I'm not, quite frankly speaking. I'm not. I did it because of the guy that they brought in to back him up. I think this could be the year that Tyrod Taylor finally gets his fair shake in crack at quarterbacking a legitimate NFL franchise. Our producer in studio, Denton Day, is in tears laughing at me right now. But I mean what the hell I'm saying. I do. I don't doubt that you don't mean what you're <laughs> saying, but like the... Seeing that actually play out is something that I, I don't necessarily Look, we don't know what would have happened to Tyrod Taylor if he didn't get his lungs punctured. There would be no Justin Herbert. Baby Jesus wouldn't have gotten his opportunity a few seasons back. I'm saying it like this, though. I love the personnel that the Giants, I mean the offense, the personnel on offense, excuse me, that the Giants have. Specifically, Saquon Barkley coming back another year removed from that ACL surgery, 
And as a Washington fan, and those out there listening who, who are also Washington fans, you know just how dirty Saquon Barkley did us every chance he got. I think this year he comes back fully healthy. They addressed the offensive line in the draft, getting the best pure offensive lineman in the draft, and Andrew uh, and um, Evan Neal, excuse me. They end up with Kayvon Thibodeau, a young man who this time last year was regarded as the clear-cut best pass rusher in the draft, and some people had him as number one overall pick. So they were able to add two key building blocks in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And you know how I feel about big boy football and how important it is to be able to muscle up and play big boy football, especially in the NFC East in the month of November and December. So whoever's playing quarterback for the New York Giants, you're going to have number 26 to hand the ball off to. You got a very legitimate cast of wide receivers. Obviously, a season ago, we saw some of the flashes of just how special Kadarius Toney could be as a football player if he can get things right above the neck, if you know what I mean. If he can be 100% there mentally. The Giants' defense wasn't that big of an issue for the Giants last year. They played good defense. They got some key blue-chip talent on that side of the football. Guys like Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence. They got some guys. But my focus for the Giants in 2022, if they can get good quarterback play, they've got the weapons. Kenny Kenny Galladay obviously struggled a season ago. Injuries and just coming on and and, and having bad quarterback play. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Daniel Jones stunk up the joint last year, which is why we're even having this conversation of Tyrod Taylor potentially coming in and unseating him. And I think Buffalo, I mean, excuse me, not Buffalo, New York. I think the Giants knew what they were doing. Because when Brian Dable was hired, he was pretty much given an ultimatum. You will have Daniel Jones as a starting quarterback week one or else pretty much. Brian Dable said, okay, no problem. So it's going to say, no problem. We'll go out and get a guy we're familiar with in Tyrod Taylor. And in 2022, I think that if the Giants can play that ugly brand of football that the Washington Commanders were trying to play a season ago, ball control, low turnovers, and controlling the clock, and being able to run the football, that could be the recipe for success for the New York Giants heading into 2022. And they're in a division that hasn't seen a repeat winner in over 20 years. So it isn't off the table for the New York Giants to go from worst to first. We got to take a break. On the other side of this break, we'll get back into the hoops discussion. And I'll continue to go more in-depth. And I'll give you the answer to my question that I posed earlier in the show. Put your GM hats on. You can call in, tap it with me, MGM. But just like every other professional sports franchise in this market, they didn't move with much foresight at all. So. My move to ensure the future success of the Washington Wizards is get Bradley Beal off the books. Get some young talent back in return. And let's do this rebuild the right way. You can't half-step a rebuild 
or he'll be stuck in mediocrity forever. Just ask the Washington Wizards. I'll take your calls on the MGM National Harbor listening lines. 1-800-636-1067. Let's go to Troy in Largo. What you got to say, Troy? Big, big Troy, y'all Largo. You know, uh, enjoy y'all show. Love y'all show, man. Hey, I'm going to say one thing about Bradley Bill. I love Bradley Bill. I think he stepped up when John Wall fell off. I always thought Bradley Bill was the star of our team. But at the time, you know, we was clouded with John Wall. So, we got clouded with that. But I agree. I would let Bradley Bill go. So I think it's a couple of teams out there. You got Milwaukee. You got Miami. You know, you got a couple of teams out there that I want to see Bradley Bill win a ring. So if he can be on a team with, you know, their competition to win a ring, that's what I want for him. And I also want us to rebuild. So we can rebuild, you know, but getting – Bradley off, get a, a hero or something like that to come here and build with Pozingas. You know, I think that'll See, be Troy, great. The only, the only uh, thing I disagree with you, Troy, is, boy, I wouldn't do it for Tyler Hero because you're going to have to pay Tyler Hero a max no, contract. I was just saying. And I'm not good, paying Tyler you know? Hero a max contract. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm with you on that, sir. Hey, I appreciate the call, Troy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad somebody called in and, and, and agreed with me because I was I was hesitant to put this on the rundown when it when it when it came to whether or not I I should give my opinion to the fan base or whether or not we should trade Bradley Bill because I don't want to be looked at as a trader. I love me some Bradley Bill. I love Bradley Bill just as much as the next guy. But after watching this team fall short of its goals. Ever since they lost in that game seven to the Boston Celtics, it's been time to blow it up. You got to blow it up. There's only so much mediocrity somebody can take. And for me, I'm tired of it. I just want to see a consistent winner. What does Ron Rivera say? I want to see a sustained winning culture in our nation's capital when it comes to hoops. And hopefully... Hopefully, Uncle Tommy's got something up his sleeve. Draft night's Thursday. It'll be a big opportunity for Washington to take that first step in really moving and building this thing the right way. And I'll tell you this. If Thursday night rolls around and the Washington Wizards trade number 10 for a veteran point guard, I'm going to lose my mind. A little shameless plug here. You can catch our coverage of the NBA draft on Thursday right here on The Fan. We'll be live. Myself and Chris Naki from Capital One Arena will bring you the Wizards pick as it happens. I'll tell you this. Listener's disclaimer. You will. Well, I ain't going to say I'm a cuss because I'd lose my job. But I get close to cussing. If when Thursday night rolls around, Tommy Shepard pulls an Ernie Grunfeld and trades this number 10 pick for some lousy retread veteran. I'd be up in arms. So hopefully, for the sake of my radio career and you guys at home, hopefully Uncle Tommy doesn't make that same mistake. I got to run. It's been a great show. I want to appreciate and thank all of our guests out there. Chase Hughes, NBC Sports, Washington Wizards insider for joining us. Darren Haynes, WSA 9, 
And Dougie Fresh, my man Doug Farrar from US Today's, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, did a fantastic job giving their insight and analysis on all the hot-button topics we hit here tonight. <laughs> Obviously, I'm fumbling at the mouth, so it's time to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Linnell Willingham. Enjoy your night.